Metro Rebel Gamecast, episode 13, is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss retro gaming and related topics for your listening pleasure. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can also follow us on Facebook at Temple of Geek, and at Twitter by using the handle at Retro Rebel Show. My name is Stacy, and joining me today, as usual, are my fellow Rebels, Daniel and Amanda. What's up, guys? Hola. Hola from Texas. Hola from London. I mean, what? Not hola. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you say? Oi! Hey! Hey, good night, mate! Yeah. Oh, wait, that's Australian. Um. Yeah, it's Australian, and it was also a little bit Canadian. So. <laughs> what's, this, what's this all about? Okay, so, enough making fun of the exactly. nations. Exactly. <laughs> what's more American than that? Um, so, what's everybody been playing? Let's go around the room. Daniel, we'll start with you. Um, Retron 5 just recently released a 3-in-1 adapter that allows you to play Master System cartridges, cards, and now Game Gear games. Uh, picked that up, got it on Friday, I believe it was, and I've been playing my extensive library of nine Game Gear games on television. It's been pretty amazing. Um, nice. Yeah, I, nine That's games. So epic. Yeah, nine. I, I need to get some more. But uh, Power Rangers from Game Gear. Is amazing on television with their nice little blocky uh, pixels. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say those are words that have yet to ever be uttered, and you may be the first. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Fantastic, Amanda. What about you? You you've been the world traveler as usual. Yes, yes. I just got back from Copenhagen yesterday, and today I booted up Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, and I beat that bad boy. Um, and then I tried to play Fallout Shelter, which was an epic failure. I actually got to level 100 on mobile, but the console version, the controls are horrible. Um, I wrote a little article about it for accompaniment to this podcast, and basically you have to move the mouse cursor outside of the vault area like with the, with the controller, then it'll allow you to select a settler, then you have to hold down A and then drag the settler around, um, okay. which on mobile is just you touch the settler and hold down on the touch and then drag them around, which is fine for applying the settlers to their specific rooms, but when you're going to try to save them from something bad they've done, some incident happening in the vault, it's really hard to choose one very quickly. Um, right. You're cycling through everyone in the room. And I haven't found any shortcut or hotkey to be able to do it. And I think they're all about level 10 or 11 at the moment. And I just, I'm losing the will to go beyond that. It's just very tedious. And I've lost two or three already to, uh, to raid, to rad roaches. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I have not played that game yet. Um, at all. I, yeah, at all. No, I have not. Um, I, I've been busy. Um, with uh, Gears of War still. Um, 
still haven't finished that game. Uh, I am taking the scenic route, which is, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it's definitely kind of an an oxymoron with that game that's kind of basically a, a shooter on rails. I mean, you can't really deviate from the path, yet I am definitely taking the scenic route. Um, I pretty much play as much as I can until I get into the next uh, checkpoint, and then I have to turn it off and do other things. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm in. No, uh, I'm no in, judgment. We're in the same boat. We're in the same boat with that game. I've not finished it yet either. Yeah. So I get to. Uh, I think I'm in. I'm in the uh, fifth chapter episode. Uh, the fourth. Fourth chapter. Fifth episode. Whatever. I'm in the la- I think I'm in the, the the very the last section. The home stretch, as it were. So. Um, no spoilers. And, I haven't finished it yet. I think you're further. No, than no. Me. And I think I am. I think I am further. So, um, no. And and I've, I've really enjoyed it. I didn't. You know, the thing about that game, and I know you wrote an article about it, and uh, which I enjoyed. And and I, just much like this game, it's like I, I didn't know what to expect when I first played it. You know, seeing initial impressions of it, I, you know, I thought it was a lot more of the same. And you, you, you know, your chest high walls and a lot of uh, third person shooting. You know. Um, and they yeah. do that really well. The story has been surprisingly good to me. Um, I, I've, I've enjoyed the characters. I think they banter well. And, uh, you know, so anyway, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, just not quite finished <laughs> with it yet. But I look forward to finishing it sometime in March. So Paper, paper, paper. That's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, on to the show. All right, so our first topic today, uh, I wanted to talk about, and this is something that Amanda brought up when we were discussing topics, was this the Xbox Game Pass and what it is. But I wanted to elaborate on this. I also wanted to talk about other online services and you know, and what what should we expect from these services? Because it's kind of there's been an evolution of it, you know, from PS2 and, and Xbox, the original, the OG, and then up through. Uh, and I get I, I know it didn't start there, but uh, yeah. But first, let's just start with the Xbox Game Pass. What is it? How is it going to affect uh, you know games with gold and so on? So I know uh, we've all probably done the reading and a little bit of research. But Amanda, do you want to kind of fill us in on this Game Pass and what it is? Well, as I understand, it's a ten pound subscription service that gets you access to over a hundred different titles on Xbox Live. Um, mostly. It looks like a lot of backwards compatible games um, and older releases. So things that would have been on the 360 or really early Xbox One releases. Haven't really seen any original Xbox games, but correct me if you've seen one. Because um, that would have been nice. I was I was looking for KOTOR, and, and that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't see that, and I, I doubt we're going to get it. Um, but what my initial concern was, which since then has been... Um, kind of clarified by a couple other sources is that if they move to this paid model for old titles, are we not going to get games with gold anymore? And considering that you're paying, you know, 60 bucks, 70 bucks a year for the service, um, not getting any games with it and essentially only getting access to multiplayer seems like a total ripoff. But a couple sources has confirmed that we will, in fact, still be getting games with gold. This is just an additional 
add-on for those that want it. Um, yeah. But I think my criticism is is that yes, it's only ten pounds or whatever, and it does give you access to a hundred games. But I get the feeling that in order to get real value out of that, you would have to have a lot of time to really play the entire catalog. Um, other than that, you're essentially what going to get to play one or two super old games that you could probably get used from the shop for two, three bucks. Um, and I don't think you're going to actually get real value out of it. I don't think you're going to get the ten bucks out of it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I think most of the titles that I've seen, you could just buy used for, you know, a fraction of the monthly subscription cost. Right. What do you and guys? And then you think? own it. Exactly, and then you don't have to keep paying to keep playing. Like I think that's bizarre. Yeah, Daniel, what do you think? I hate all subscription services. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Daniel. <clears throat> no, I mean I'm kind of I'm kind of with Amanda. I mean it, I think it's a waste of money. Um, most of those games, you could probably buy two or three of them a month, which is probably how long it will take you to beat some of those for the same price and actually end up owning each of those games. Um, Xbox Live Gold, you're already paying $60 a year for a subscription-based service for the system. You know, let's tack on some more money. So, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not in agreement with it. Yeah. I think if you bought it and you got access to all the games that you downloaded during the period, let's say you had a max download of five games per month and then you could just play those, I think that would be fine, but the idea that once you stop paying for it it's like you never had it to start with, I think that's what I find most disturbing Yeah. Well here, here's an idea, you're going to pay for a subscription service, give me access to all the games you're getting my money Yeah <laughs> I think Man. they really could have differentiated themselves if they made it like, like that. And they just said, look, now you're going to get an access to a catalog of titles. Enjoy. You know, you already pay us enough bloody money. And they haven't they haven't confirmed all the games yet either. So they're saying 100 games, but they haven't confirmed them all. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because um, what I'm gathering uh, is, you know, that, that you will get access to a hundred games but are, you know and I'm just not aware are you going to get are they going to rotate you know are you is it going to be kind of like an Xbox uh, Xbox you know games with gold where they rotate you know new games in or other games in that you have access to because I, I agree with you guys on the surface I, I like the idea um, I like the idea of being able to have access to all those games because I mean if any of us all of three of us are old enough to remember when you rented games from an actual brick and mortar store and you you know even if Amanda didn't do it we were old enough to do it um, we all could go and, and uh, you know and rent a game and uh, and that cost about four bucks three or four bucks uh, and you got it for about three days and I think they changed it at Blockbuster eventually I know Blockbuster for those of you listening was actually a thing uh, much like the Titanic <laughs> Grandpa Stacy tell us about the days of Blockbuster <laughs> that stayed up until midnight. It was great. You can go hang out. Anyway, you uh, you could rent it, and eventually they let you rent it for five days, which made sense because you couldn't finish any of those games in two or three days, usually. Um, so uh, all that to say, 
ten dollars is kind of a small price to pay for access to all those games. But looking at the big picture, you know, and and the grand scheme of things with gold and 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 what Amanda was saying about the fact that I can buy some of these games, um, you know, I could buy two or three of them maybe for that price uh, and keep them because you don't have access to them when you stop your subscription. Uh, much like uh, gold games with gold, you don't have access to those games anymore. Uh, the good news is you don't have to have Xbox Live to to use the Game Pass system. So I think what it is is another way for uh, players who maybe don't want to pay sixty dollars a year and pay one hundred and twenty dollars a year for this because <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to try it at some point. Um, I have my Xbox Live account. You know, it, it renews every year on its own as long as my credit card's valid. Um, yeah. And the same with my my PlayStation. So uh, it's almost ubiquitous now with gaming. Is you got to have this online service. Well, see, here's the sad thing with me. Like my PlayStation Four, I have no streaming service, no uh, subscription service for it. I play my games. Yeah. I'm done. I would have the same setup on my Xbox One if I didn't have to have the subscription service to watch Netflix or YouTube or any of those other things. I think that is the dumbest thing. Yeah. Mm. These free services that you can get on any other system, you have to pay additional money to on the network, the Xbox network in order to use. Yeah. I'm about ready to switch that damn system out and make my PS4 my main system and stop paying a subscription fee on the Xbox. <laughs> you don't have to have it on the PS4? No. No. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I I admit that because I was a big I'm a, I'm a Nintendo fan. Maybe not quite a Nintendo fanboy like Daniel, but I I would say that my allegiance to Nintendo is unhealthy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I switched from PlayStation <laughs> switched. to the Xbox. I well, I switched. Boom! That was unintentional. I switched to the PlayStation uh, from the Xbox, I mean, from the PlayStation to the Xbox with KOTOR, and I mentioned that in a previous podcast. But since then, I kind of felt burned by Xbox, and on the Xbox One, I went with PlayStation, and I've, I've enjoyed the PlayStation. I've, I've, their interface, their UI is better, uh, hands down, than the Xbox. It's much more user-friendly um, and and just intuitive. So I mean, I agree, disagree, but, you know. <laughs> well, but and, and I and I and I and I think that's I, probably because I was late to the game, maybe to the Xbox. But I I bought the Xbox uh, One well after the fact. Like I think I bought one last year, like four months mm. ago. So um, I had time to get used to the PlayStation um, and the PS Store and all that stuff, and don't and still really haven't messed around with the user interface on the Xbox. But um. Anyway, like I said, I think that these are these subscription services and these online services are basically ubiquitous now. With with the, I mean, if you have a, a system, you're going to have to have an online service. Um, and I, I don't know that that's the way that it should be. I just know that's the way that it is. You know. I mean, and, but after 13 years of paying for Xbox Live, which is where I'm yeah. at right now, like that is over twelve hundred dollars. Like, that's a crazy amount of money when you think about it. Like, you yeah. know, I'm coming up for renewal this month, and I'm just thinking, like, this is ridiculous to have to pay, especially when 
you pay for internet already you know right. you you pay for all this sort of stuff anyhow it's like you're paying like three different ways so you buy the game you pay for yep. your internet provider to even have internet in the first place then you pay xbox or places or whoever to have access to their services and then in some instances if you want access to the maps and things like that you pay for that too so it's just like pay 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 like three or four different ways it kind of gets crazy oh and then if you want accessories or you want to be able to have more than one headset you can buy an extra one you can buy an extra controller you can buy an extra this and that so it's just uh i think it's a bit over the top oh and then you can pay for netflix to put on the thing you paid for to watch it you know like just really so many pays i think y'all just convinced <laughs> me i'm canceling my xbox service after this episode's over with yeah i think <laughs> everyone Everyone will. You'll, you'll have to let us know what life is like without Xbox Live. You know, I'll I'll tell me. Plug. Yeah, are you going to be Maybe able to I'll make convert. these podcasts? <laughs> uh, <laughs> funny, Stacy. No, um, well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree. And like I said, I mean, I am a little bit depressed now, having heard all of that and how much money I've paid because it's been it's been thirteen years or so for me as well. Well, I mean, look, they destroyed uh, they destroyed couch plane. To make you play these things online, so they basically took away your friends, so you could play these games online, and now they're making you pay to have online friends right. to play these games. So, but it's funny. Like just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how Nintendo was planning to do the exact same thing with the Switch, have this exact same subscription-based service, and I think Microsoft saw that and they were like, "Oh yeah, good idea. Let's do it." Yeah. Except we're going to give you access to way more, more titles. Um, but, you know, just like the Nintendo service is supposed to be, you can't keep them, you know, you only get X amount, you know, <laughs> and if you yeah. stop paying, you don't get them anymore. So I think what they is, saw what Nintendo was doing, and they were like, go for it. That's a good point, and that's a fantastic segue. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the, that's that's exactly, well, I, that's what I was thinking in terms of what Nintendo should have done, and that's, I think, the biggest criticism of their online service is that you, you, you only get one game at a time, which is just ridiculous. That you would pay that money to get one game, and then you have to then you have to not access it anymore and download another one. And they don't even give you the full library. I mean, yeah, the entire Nintendo seal of approval library would fit on the head of a pin. I mean, it's just not. <laughs> you know, I mean, in terms of like space and and. Uh, and, and memory that you would need just to store it. I mean, it's it's nothing. It's a fraction of what games are now. So, and and how long would it take you? I mean, I know Daniel that you you and Marcus are a little remedial in your Zelda playing. Uh -huh. But how long does it take you to beat that game? It took about six hours total. <laughs> six total. You know, could be two and a half or three depending on your skill level. So you know, you just. I don't know. You're not going to have a game for very long, and maybe that's the point: is you play this one and then you return it. I just, I, I think that their system is flawed. I don't know what they're thinking with that, and and Microsoft is going to end up doing it better. I just, I don't know if it justifies the price still. So, I mean, well, if they put Knights of the Old Republic, I'll buy it. I'll just say that <laughs> they have my well, money if they do that. Do you do you not own a hard copy of that game? I, I don't have the original Xbox One anymore. Oh, okay. So I'd have to go and buy the system and the game. If I could play it on know. Xbox One, then I could play it again. Those games both are compatible with Xbox 360. 
I don't know if you have your think about that. Yeah. I mean, I do. And and now you've given me something to do. <laughs> that, I mean, the only reason I know that is because that's the only main reason I still have my Xbox 360 so I can do that. Yeah, I mean, you can also play them on Steam if you don't mind playing on the PC. Well. Boo. I mean, <laughs> PC Master Race. <laughs> Well, with these online services, and and now that everything's going to it, what do you what do you guys think we should get with for your money? You know, we you know I think they range from seventy dollars a year to I'm not I can't remember off the top of my head what Nintendo's price is going to be monthly. This Game Pass, which is ten dollars, ten American dollars a month. I think as a subscription service, they should assign me a friend that personally sits on my couch and plays games with me once a week. I like it. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, do you need friends? We can play. It's yes, okay. I need lots of friends. <laughs> I, in all seriousness, I think that for... I think the subscription price should stay what it is. I think they should keep games with gold and give you the option to um, download and keep one of any of the titles that they have released that are say over 10 years old or what or over five years old like from the other two consoles for like two quid i i mean that would be excellent you know but but you should be able to select from anything from their whole catalog well i can't with the games with gold like maybe after a year you get to choose one title for free that you get to keep yeah yeah I mean, you're already paying sixty dollars a year for that. I mean, you're not getting to, you don't you have to continue paying them to play all the other games. You know, even Microsoft, back when they started their uh, their uh, Zune, <laughs> I'm taking it back to Zune, uh, the Whoa. Microsoft Zune. They had their subscription wow. service they were starting, and with that subscription service, you paid ten dollars a month, had access to stream and download any type of album you wanted, and once a month you were able to download one album for free. And keep it so if you canceled your service, you still had that album. So it'd be cool if they did something like that with gaming. And I think they should, note. like, you know. What were you? What were you saying, Amanda? I'm just saying, like, from a retention perspective, you've got games with gold, which is the free titles they choose that you get to keep, and you only have access to if you keep paying. That keeps you paying, right? But right. I think you should be able to have some things that you just have that you can choose from the catalog of yourself instead of having to wait for a sale or whatever that then you can just keep because the reality of it is in five years time 90% of those games will be worthless because better things will have come along or you know the majority of the title is not something that you how many games do we talk about that are 10 years old or whatever that we actually still would enjoy to play there's not many the list is not huge um, and I think, you know, they should allow you to have kind of like a like a legacy collection of your own of your favorite games from over time. You know, why not? Especially if you can justify, like one, if you could justify that or verify that you've already purchased it. That's what Nintendo should do on their subscription service. If you've already bought it on the Wii or bought it on the Wii U, it should transfer over. Um, because all of us have, well, any Nintendo fan has bought Mario 3 or any of any number of games multiple times on multiple platforms. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, I think you're right on this legacy thing that you should maybe have two categories of games 
Or you have a category of legacy games where your monthly subscription purchases that game for you, and then you have another group of games, maybe some newer releases that you have access to for, you know, like Mad Max or something like that. One of these games that's, that came out last year that was a good game, it was well-received, and you just have access to it, and then if you stop your subscription, you don't get it anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that definitely solves a lot of issues, especially because, like you said, these games are gonna—they're basically worthless now, because if they didn't have these online services, nobody'd be playing them. You know, mm-hmm. I think the issue that a lot of these companies have is they don't know how to monetize the used game platform at all. Like they don't know what to do with that. You know, GameStop has has built a business model and it's slowly crumbling. Uh, because of these other subscription services, but nonetheless, you know these real these uh, these these uh, game companies have not been making any money on the resale of any of these games ever. They've never made you know you and and most I'd say most things are that way. You know, I think most purchases mm-hmm. that way. I purchase a gun; it's mine. I want to sell it. I mean, because that's American. That's the first thing that my head goes to. That, I, I mean, that got gun. that got deep there. <laughs> yeah, and then you want to sell it, or if it can be any purchase. You purchase a car and you want to sell it. I don't have to pay Honda or Chevy again. It, I make yeah. that money, you know. And so, you know, with with well, this, with digital titles, you can't resell them, so they already have less value than a used disc. Exactly, and they and I know GameStop was trying to get into the digital resale of games, which. I almost can't wrap my head around how that would work. How does that even work? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and and I have my conspiracy tinfoil hat theories on on all of that to begin with. Is it is it beneficial? Is it is it easier? Could it be cheaper? Absolutely. What I don't like is not having control over something that I purchased. I purchased it and you stop this service, I can't play it anymore. I can't use it anymore. And so um, it would be like anything else if, if this company shuts down, but I purchase something from that company just because they want to close this off. I don't have access to something that I was supposed I supposedly owned. Um, yeah, it just seems counterintuitive. I, I don't understand how that should even be able to be a thing and not discussed. But that is kind of the nature of the or the direction that gaming is going. You know, I mean, more digital. So yeah, like I said, remains to be seen. So. With our with the money that you spend, Daniel has already suggested uh, you get at least a friend for a day. Are there any other services that you think we should be we should be granted with these online uh, online subscription services? Well, I mean, going back to what I originally I mean, said, a free title give you a free title. You know, even if it's just once a year, um, letting you choose a title that you get to keep. So if you get the, if you canceled your service or whatever, you actually own that title. Right. Okay. And Amanda, what do you think? Anything I else think, that you think we should add? I think that if you have Xbox Live or whatever, then you should pay a reduced rate or not pay at all for things like Netflix or whatever. Because it's kind of ridiculous. Like, yeah. you know, or pay a reduced rate on your Xbox Live subscription if you, you know, buy other things through them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it just gets out of hand. Because if you think about it, Xbox Live subscription is like, what, 15 pounds a month-ish. Then you've got Netflix, which is like, what, 7 quid. Then you've got Amazon Video, which is another 7 quid, like, at that point. You yeah. Know, I agree. Hand. 
the the PlayStation View. I don't know a whole lot about it, but from looking at it, it looks like they're trying to take television in a different direction. Where I'm like, hey, I would, if that ends up being cheaper than what I have to do, I would just pay for internet and go with that because I can watch ESPN. Supposedly, you can pretty much watch everything on PlayStation View. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to do some more research. That was a poorly uh, timed segue into something that I don't, I know nothing about. Um, but from <laughs> what I've read, what I've read though, it does look really interesting. It's something that I, maybe we'll talk about in the future. But, um, but I, I agree, I agree with what you guys said. Um, you should be able to get something tangible, more or less, for lack of a better term, for your subscription service. Something that is yours, you know, and not just I have access to something that is more or less free everywhere else and on I can buy a, a $50 Blu-ray player that has Netflix on it and Hulu you know so uh, anyway yeah I think that's good I think that's good so that topic is brought to you by our sponsor audible.com audible is offering a free audiobook download for you the listeners of the retro Ribble gamecast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service Amanda what is our recommendation today um, our recommendation today is The White Queen by Philippa Gregory. It is a historical fiction based on the Wars of the Roses in England, um, which led to the Tudors being in power, and it was made into a TV show um, over here in the UK. Awesome. History. You can head over to audibletrial.com slash podcast to get that free title now, or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash podcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. I'm actually reading uh, Neverwhere right now by Neil Gaiman. Reading, I mean, I'm listening to it as I drive to work. So, great book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so topic number two. Game skills that we've learned through playing games and over the course of our gaming history and game skills that can be applied to life. So, um... You know, one thing that I know uh, I've always found interesting and, and, and a series of articles that I used to write, and I plan on getting back to it at some point, was um, retro gaming and how gaming applies to either history or literature or other, other things that maybe a lot of people never really actually tied to gaming. Uh, I always found it fascinating. Uh, you know, Final Fantasy is one of those games where you, if you actually looked at some of the things that are going on, that... There was, you know, there's um, Norse mythology in it. There's there's uh, ancient Eastern Japanese, I mean, Eastern European, I mean, Eastern Asian, sorry. Eastern European, too, I'm sure. All of the East, there's history uh, tied into that game. And so, you know, if you just look at some of the gods that, uh, you know, that, that uh, there's a lot of interesting things that you can learn that are that were either historically um, significant or actually uh, uh, actually happened you know, some of it's myths, some of it's legends, some of it actually is historically based. But I thought that was interesting that you could tie that to something that was really that really happened, and you could actually learn something from games. But what game skills have you guys kind of developed or honed or or learned through playing video games? I think Amanda should start this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would say that the skill that I think all games teach you is kind of forward planning. So okay. 
whenever you're doing a boss battle or you're managing resources in a survival horror game or you're playing an MMO and you're chaining to attacks in the correct order in order to be the most efficient for you know the resources you have available. I think that teaches you to kind of read the room and to take stock of what you have and plan for the best possible outcome, anticipate what the other people are going to do. And I think that translates well in real life in so much as you kind of get better at thinking about how this could go, having like an alternate strategy, um, kind of like playing forward in your mind the way a scenario could play out, a couple different variations and being prepared for that opportunity. I mean, maybe it's just me, but when I'm in a business meeting or, or whatever, I can somehow play forward how I think the conversation might go and like pre-plan my responses or pre-plan places where I'm not necessarily going to have the information um, so that I'm not caught unawares that I was prepared for them to ask but the moment I don't have that you know that sort of thing so I think all games teach you to react better and forward plan better um, because it makes you think critically about what's going on and being kind of very much in the moment um, and, Very adapt- and thinking like tactically. Very to adapt, yeah. Mm. And then, yeah. you know, mo- like moving on from that and, and going even more real world, I think when you're a guild leader or a clan leader or you're organizing people online, I mean, even Daniil, who organizes a bunch of game geeks to, to write podcasts and, and write articles and stuff like that, I think that you gain life skills of how to work collaboratively and how to plan out toward kind of an ultimate goal from gaming it just gets more honed so you learn how to you know lead people on the battlefield even though it's virtual and that translates well to being able to organize people show them why it's in their best interest why they should do xyz and builds kind of a community that's working towards the same thing and I think that is in my opinion the most transferable skill of gaming is that you know if you're a leader you learn how to organize people towards one thing and if you're just part of a team you learn why it's worth it to toe the line you know to just get involved and get stuck in because you know you you build up a rapport with people quite quickly and you recognize their skills and you know, believe in the end mission. Right. You definitely learn. I was going to say that with, uh, and I know it's in other genres as well, but the MMO genre, especially if you're in a guild, this probably has some of the most transferable skills to real life of any any genre, any platform, any any other any other type of game. And and for all the reasons that you just said, where your ability to organize. Uh, your ability to, you know, the, the need to communicate, how to fit in uh, into a team and understand your role and how to work together and communicate to work together. There's a really good article on The Escapist. Uh, it's been a year. It's been years now, probably three or four years. But uh, it was written by a a warrior tank. And basically, he was trying. He was alluding to the fact that you choose your role in that game based on kind of who you are as a person, and your main. Not you know, a lot of people have multiple characters and choose multiple, but you kind of get drawn to a particular character and a particular role. 
and it's probably not true for everybody. I'm sure, as most things. Uh, but like for me, I was I'm a my main is a, a shaman, and I was a healer. That was my role. That's what I enjoyed. It was it was where I felt most comfortable. I wasn't great at um, doing. I, I wasn't great at at uh, um, DPS. So I mean, I'm good at it, but I wasn't as good as I was with healing. So anyway, all that to say that there, I, I to figure out your role to to be able to communicate. Uh, and to fit into all that uh, was a, was a skill that I think I developed or at least honed a little bit better. And I, I know there are a lot of people who probably aren't good at that at, in mm-hmm. social settings, but developed it and got better at it because of that particular game. So that's definitely one major area where I, I think that uh, skills, real life skills can be applied and even even kind of fine-tuned in a gaming setting. What about you, Daniel? Have you uh, experienced any life skills uh, and developed them through gaming? Well, I don't think I've learned anything like you know survival skills or anything like that. <clears throat> One you thing, I... class, right? <laughs> you know how to make a Molotov cocktail. I learned how to jump on a mushroom in the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I go out in the real world and I try to punch a brick and nothing comes out and all it does is break my hand. <laughs> um, no, one thing I can say that gaming has done for me personally is, you know, I didn't read a lot of books when I was a kid. Yeah. But I played a lot of role-playing games. And Stacy, you know growing up in the Nintendo world and Super Nintendo world, we didn't have the full motion video. Oh, all uh, reading. Yeah, it was all reading. And I think I, I have to agree that, you know, it kind of helped with my cognitive skills and reading, um, you know, these RPGs. So... That's probably one thing I can, you know, thank video games for teaching, you know, not teaching me how to read, but helping me improve my, improve my uh, reading skills. Um, I don't know how to read good. <laughs> <laughs> so. School for kids who don't read good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, no, you know, I think that's totally valid. It, it's a hundred percent reading, like on the older titles, and you learn to associate that you know with pictures in your head and and build that narrative i think you're spot on with that now with with bad translations though comes bad grammar true but i think that comes good jokes so uh, any any time that that uh uh, what if what what is the uh the big all of your all of your base now belong to us or all of your all of your base all your base are belong to us Yes, 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 yes. Great. Like one of the original memes. Congra- right. Congratulations. You yes. are winner. <laughs> you are winner. <laughs> yeah, the translations didn't always work out well. Uh, I, another thing that I think, and I, we've lost it to a certain extent with these games, because they don't even come with manuals anymore. Oh, I miss them. I know. I know. Nobody read them anyway, but at least you had it. They had some amazing artwork. I mean, I have, like, the Legend of Zelda manual in there, and it just had some little artwork, and it told you each of the enemies that's in the game, it, but you don't get to see that anymore. <laughs> well, now you have yeah. to pay extra for that. <laughs> now that's like an art book, you know? Um, but back then, your problem-solving skills, were they, were they went a couple of directions. One, you had to figure it out, or you went and talked to somebody about it, uh, or you just quit. You'd give up. Because the problems in some of those games back then were much more difficult than they are now. I mean, some of them are impossible. Uh, go like Amanda telling us about playing Monkey Island. Just impossible. There, there are uh, games that just don't make sense in terms of the puzzles. 
but if you if you really were resourceful and you had access to the internet in the 90s then you could go on game facts uh you could there were places that you could go and it and it got you instead of just quitting you would go find the answer you know you would look for somebody had somebody who had fixed it somebody who had solved it um, it, it got you to be resourceful. So I think in, in life, being able to not get not just get stuck on a problem, but having the initiative to go find the answer. Um, you know, I, it may be a stretch, but I don't think it's that far of a stretch to think that you could you develop that skill uh, further in playing or, or mind. You know, uh, it could be a some sort of Sudoku puzzle or something like that. Similar concept, you know, of just problem solving and figuring things out. So. Um, yeah, I think that there are a number of skills that translate very directly from gaming to, to real life. I think with respect to online gaming specifically, you've also got the ability to take criticism and to see the immediate consequences of doing poorly. Um, I, <laughs> the, another old internet meme that comes to mind from World of Warcraft was that Ray leader that's like, odd groups go left, even groups go right, you know. DPS very, very slowly, you know, <laughs> but having like a raid leader is a great example, but any sort of like FPS, like uh, a clan or organized team, you know, you have somebody who's issuing commands and the expectation is you will do that thing. And if you fail to do it, not only are you going to get chewed out, but you're going to feel the immediate consequences of failing to do so. Um, and I think that teaches you kind of long term that when you have somebody who knows what they're talking about, there's probably a reason and you should probably listen to what they have to say um, because there are immediate consequences sometimes for failing to follow instructions. Um, <laughs> and, and that, I mean, if you've never seen Angry Raid Leader uh, on YouTube, you should definitely watch it. It's quite funny. Um, the guy's, you know, foreign of some description, but... You know, he's trying to organize a raid and somebody doesn't do the right thing, uh, isn't healing properly or is doing too much DPS and drawing aggro and he just goes mental and screams. But I think when you're a guild member or when you're part of a team, you recognize that you earned that criticism and it's fair. You know, obviously there are lines and I'm not talking about bullying, but I'm saying like when you get yelled at because you screwed up and you didn't do what you were asked to do, you recognize you that you've earned that fire? criticism. Exactly. <laughs> I, there's you know. a way to do it. And there's a way, you know, and I agree with you. Uh, you definitely will get that. I, it's probably why I don't play online as much because there's less of the constructive criticism. <laughs> there's more of just the general trash talk criticism. Um, and, you know, and that's that's probably why looking for raid is, is kind of bad as well because you you know if you actually got into vent with one of those or mumble or whatever the online uh, services and, and actually had to speak with them yeah uh, I, I've been on I've been on a, a few raids where somebody's getting an earful and and maybe didn't deserve exactly how they were uh, being criticized uh, it's funny most of the time as long as you're not the one receiving it Um <laughs> But, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, less I... talking about pickup groups and more talking about like experienced teams, you know, where right. you know, well, you all have talk. a role and you're expected yeah. to do the thing and for whatever reason you were AFK or you weren't paying attention or you're having, you know, an off day or you did the wrong chain. 
I think yeah. at that point you fully deserve the immediate consequences that come that way. Um, yeah. but I think it does train you to be better. Um, when it's constructive pug groups, generally not the sort of thing I'm talking about, but more like established plans. You watch these like professional gaming teams and right. you know that while they're obviously while they're playing, there's not a whole lot of communication, but when they're training, there's got to be one of them that's screaming at, you know, do this, do that, don't do this, because that's how you like form a strategy um, and how you correct any, you know, deviation from that strategy. Right. No, I agree that uh, that is um, it's a it's a needed skill and it's something you will definitely experience if you ever play an online MMO or MMORPG um, can't really get away from it. Uh, if you if you're a part of any guild, so Daniel, any other any other skills or final thoughts on on today's today's topics? I was I was trying to think about like how we can, uh, you know, Tetris has taught me how to rearrange things in my car and stuff when I'm moving. Tetris has taught you um, how to use that, that Retron Five. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was moving, I was actually humming that song because that's what I was thinking about. It was like. <laughs> How am I going to cram all this stuff in one trip? So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that's my final thought. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty funny, actually. And, uh, you know, the, the best part would be anybody who picks up on what you're doing. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I know that song. Amanda, any final thoughts? I just say that I think video games get a lot of criticism as being kind of a pointless hobby. But I think... I a wouldn't know people kind of across the globe if I if it wasn't for gaming, but also I don't think I would be as effective in the business world if I hadn't learned some of those like planning, critical thinking, problem solving, and leadership skills, and the ability to take criticism when I've you know strayed out of the bounds. I think those when sort of things AFK. made me more effective. Exactly. Yeah. Stop being AFK. Worse than being AFK at a business meeting. <laughs> That is the worst. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Podcast. I want to thank Amanda and Daniel for joining me this this week on our discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you would like to see more of us, you can support us on Patreon at patreon slash templeofgeek and follow us on Twitter at Retro Rebel Show. Any questions or comments, feel free to email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. And head over to iTunes and Stitcher and Radar Show because that helps us a lot. Until next time. Yo! Later.